Hey everybody, Mike Lejeune here with Game Changers for Government Contractors. And today we've got Natalie on with us. She is the author of The Power of Trust, How Top Companies Build, Manage, and Protect It. Before we get going today, Natalie, why don't you hop in and tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do. Hi Mike, thanks for having me. My name's Natalie Doyle Oldfield. I'm all about helping business owners and leaders and contractors grow their business. All about helping them grow. And I do this by offering training sessions around building relationships of trust, managing and measuring relationships of trust. I've been in business for 10 years and I work with companies all over North America. Wow, that's awesome. I think trust is one of those things that people undervalue a lot. We were talking just before the show about how when you look at government contracting, for example, we've gone from tens of thousands, I think somewhere in 30, 40,000 contracting officers down into the teens, maybe it's 12, 15,000, whatever it is. And yet the government's budget has just continued to double and you know who knows where it's going over here at this point. But the budget keeps increasing. So we have a third maybe of the contracting officers we used to have. They've got twice as many, if not three times as many things they've got to take care of on their end. And for a lot of them, the first issue that they struggle with is being bombarded by companies that are scam artists or companies that are new that really aren't legitimate yet. They're trying to sift through and figure out who can I trust and who I can't trust. Because I don't know if you've seen some of these articles, but there's been so many articles over the last handful of years where contracts are awarded to companies. Companies they shouldn't have given it to. The contractor goes out and buys Lamborghinis and Ferraris and doesn't fulfill the contract. Now they are in a, a real big bind. And so they've really cracked down on the what I would consider the trust factor and making yeah. sure that a company is trustworthy before they do any investment in them. And so whether it's their capability statement or something else, that first impression really, it's very, very important. And, and trust is, has never been more important in my opinion than it is today. So wh why don't you kind of talk a little bit about maybe why you got into this and focused in trust? Because I, I think that's probably an interesting story. Like, of all the things you could do, how did you wind up focusing on this? I thought, like you shared, that it's important and we all know it's important, yet no one really paid attention to it, Mike. I am very practical. I have always come from the school of thought that what we can measure, we can manage. Several years ago, I was working for a software development company. We were selling and marketing our software all around the world. I was in a marketing role. Love talking to customers though. So I was always in the customer meetings. Our CEO asked us, asked me if I would take over the sales role. And I really didn't want to do that, but I had a lot of relationships with the customers and I was doing business development not sales though. I kept saying no. And then finally I said, yes, the good news and bad news is I said, yes. And about a month later, it was August, 2008, the market crashed. It was very challenging to actually get new customers. And so what I did was the only thing I knew at the time, and that was to just really, really focus on the relationships. And I also asked around like, who can help me do sales and learn how to do this? And what I found is that the most successful companies, the most successful contractors focused on the relationships. Fast forward, then I went back to do my master's degree and did graduate research to figure out how is it in a B2B environment do customers decide to buy and learned that it really is trust. 
So I built and created, developed a proprietary framework for business owners and leaders to follow in a step-by-step -step method based on science and evidence of building relationships of trust. And it's all based on how we decide to trust. Because I do agree with you. The number one question that contract officers in government that customers are asking is, can I trust you? Are you legit? When I started my business in 2013, people would nod their head and say, yeah, of course it's important. But now as you articulated, we're in a different stage. Like they really need to figure it out because let's face it, people are more skeptical. If they choose the wrong contractor, you know, their job could be on the line. The public is not only more skeptical, but they're demanding more transparency. What I really focus on is making it practical because like you said, it's a big word. You know, we all know it's important, but how do you operationalize it? How do you make it part of the way you do business in your company? That's really why I focus on training because at the end of the day, Mike, everything we do doesn't matter what your contract is, whether you are in agriculture or defense or in energy, it's all around the frontline people. You can have the best product, the best technology, the best processes in the world, but at the end of the day, we decide to trust based on the interactions and the way people communicate, the way they behave, and the way they serve us. Capabilities are important. I really believe that's table stakes. Right? You need to have the right capabilities and the competencies, but it's, it's really where the rubber hits the road is in these relationships. If you're struggling with your government contracting business, I want to encourage you today to go sign up for a free coaching session with me. You can go in the description of this podcast. There's a link to my calendar and you can go pick a time where we can sit down for 30 minutes, talk about what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong, what you should change. And then if coaching makes sense for you, I'll actually go over the options on how you can get started with coaching so we can take your business to the next level. Now let's get back into this episode. You know, uh, there's a term we always use in the army is we fight like we train. And if we're not training, then we're not going to fight well. In business, it's the same thing. It's we operate like we train. And if we're not training, we're just out there on the ground, just kind of flailing about a little bit. Can you give me an idea or maybe an overview of what that framework looks like? Because I think that would be really helpful for people to know there's three steps, five steps, whatever it is in your mind of how an organization goes about developing or building that trust? So at a high level, best practice would be that an organization would have a very well-defined, articulated purpose and vision, and everybody in the organization would know what that is, right? It's well communicated. Everybody knows that and values that everybody knows. Next step is that you would actually know what your customer's sentiment is towards you. I have a measurement tool. I call it the Client Trust Index, where we go out and survey customers on a company's behalf to find out what their trust equity score is. Trust equity is a term that I coined early on 2013, and that's a measurement of a customer's or stakeholder's trust in an organization. Best practice, once we would do that, then we would find out where the gaps are, where they need to improve, where we need, as we talked about, to train, to improve how they're delivering. 
When we decide to trust, it actually comes down to three primary components, Mike. I kind of liken it to an isosceles triangle, right? There are three sides to a triangle. We need all three for trust to be present. It's about how we communicate, how we behave, and how we serve. Companies need to focus on communication that is authentic, it's sincere, it's truthful, it's honest, it's transparent, and then behavior with integrity, ethical, and acting in the best interest of the stakeholder, the customer, the public, in the case for your clients and contractors, and then the way we serve, serving in a way that, you know, is compassionate, focused on the other person or the other department and focused on sincere, authentic, and transparent. Out of that come the eight principles of trust. That's sort of a high, high level overview yeah. of the framework. It all starts with the culture inside the organization that's focused on customers or whoever it is that you serve. In this case, it could be a specific department or a specific government program. I think a lot of companies believe that as long as they're communicating the right things, the other sides of the triangle don't matter as much. I think a lot of them believe, especially like internally, they believe that, hey, I can communicate externally about how much we care about our people and I can treat them however I want because my people aren't going to talk to anybody. And it's like, oh, you're so mistaken. Your people are on the job site talking about how horrible you are every single day. So your customer knows if you're treating them poorly. They absolutely yeah. know. The other contractors know. Their colleagues know. In government contracting, if you're working on site, which I know there's some people still working remotely at home, but even if you're doing that, you still have a coworker or a friend that works at another company or several of those people. And you're like, oh yeah, it's not any fun over here. On, you know, on the surface, this is how it looks. But in the background, that message gets out. You know, it's one of those things where people think that, oh, this market is so big. It is, but it's also small. It's a small community community of people. I'm not saying anybody should ever treat their employees poorly. There's no reason to do it, but people do it. And they think, hey, I've got this one point, I'm communicating whatever, and that's how it is. I worked for this one company years and years ago that externally to the world, they were very employee focused. Everything was about how great the employees were. Yet you were always scared to death you were going to get fired. If you had a meeting show up on your calendar on a Thursday afternoon at two o'clock, you might as well just pack your things and bring it. I remember we were in a meeting with this one marketing person and we were talking to her and uh, we said, Hey, can you meet on Thursday? We're trying to do this thing here. It's like, Oh no, I've got a meeting with the owner on that day at two o'clock. And I was like, Oh, I'm so sorry. And she was like, I'm not getting fired. And sure enough, you know, we saw her after that meeting crying, walking out with her things. It was so predictable in that company because that's how it was. It was a joke between everybody in the company that we actually renamed, you know, the little boxes you carry. I was like, when you get a job, they should give you one of those boxes and call it a to-go box. And you should keep all your stuff in it at all times because you never know when you're getting fired. It's not a good environment. There's not trust in that environment. No, no trust at all. That's pretty wild. You know, that's an example of to the world, they were always trying to communicate things through video, through social media, through the website about how employee focused they were. And in the year I worked there, they turned over literally 99% 
percent of the staff in the yeah. one year I was there. And then I was one of the people that was let go as well. That's just the way it was there. You know, my number came up. The owner had a list of people that he was going to fire and win type thing. I think it's an interesting case where people don't necessarily focus on those things internally. It gets out. What are some other areas where companies should be focused when it comes to engaging their clients in order to build trust? Trust is all about principled behavior, right? So when you're talking about the communication, I immediately think, well, you know what? Like they're not walking the talk and people are skeptical. We've figured this out pretty quickly. We know. You can say one thing on social media or one thing to your customer in your capability statement, but clients and people figure it out pretty quickly. So with respect to how can you build and focus on trust with clients, I want to share a quick case study with you. It's very tangible and you can actually focus on your people and building relationships of trust with contract officers, and then the departments and the program managers that you work with by focusing on the relationships. So I have this business owner, this government contractor who had a prime contract with a department, and he has about 60 people on his team, $10 million company or so, but 80% of their revenue is with one department where they have several contracts. He called on me about a year ago. He's based in Maine and they do business in the Northeast. And he said, next year, we're coming up for recompete. I'm concerned because there's been some changes inside the department that we're working on. People on my team say the relationships are kind of strained. So I said, well, let's dig into that. What does kind of strain mean? He shared with me what I would think about as sort of indicators of low trust. Things like people not showing up for the biweekly meetings, clients mm -hmm. kind of ghosting them, not getting back to them. When they're in town and they want to meet with them face to face, the client saying, no, you know, sorry, you know, we've got all this other stuff going on. These are all tiny little signals. Yeah, those are great. What we did, he placed three people in a mastermind group that I have going on called Becoming a Trusted Advisor. I do it once a quarter. And another three people who manage another project in another group. And what we focused on and what we do focus on is this proprietary framework and this step-by-step -step process we learn how to build trust. I walk people through how to strengthen or regain trust with someone if there's a fractured relationship or a brand new one. He did that because he really felt that the contract might be at risk and the critical trust risk point is the people. And it is for all companies, Mike. And it's not just the people on site or in the field or doing the work. It's the people in the office who are sharing the data and keeping the programs up to date. When you become a trusted advisor, when you have the trust of someone, they're gonna come to you for everything. So when the project came up for renewal or, you know, to recompete is how they would call it, they won the business. And yes, they checked off all the boxes for having the right capabilities and the right experience and the right background. But at the end of the day, we buy from people we trust. Worldwide, 80% of people buy products and services from people and organizations they trust. I did used to say when I started my business, it's a competitive advantage. 
But to your point, Mike, it is top of mind now, right? Government contract officers are looking for companies and contractors that they trust. And because the public is so skeptical, and their colleagues are too, they really need to buy from people they trust. So in this program, we go through the steps. There are tools and we teach people how to build trust or strengthen the relationship they have. And the reality is... Lots of people do it well, but there's a huge amount of people that have very solid technical skills that have never been taught how to communicate, how to empathize, how to listen carefully with empathy, how to really make ethical decisions and how to behave in a trustworthy way. I think not only our society, but the way that most companies are structured, they really are structured in a superior subordinate type of role. If you step out of bounds, you get corrected really, really fast. Stepping out of bounds could be anything that's not on the list. If I go off script, for example, you know, I might get in trouble and I don't know what's on the script and what's off. And I think that's just the way, if you look at the culture of a lot of companies, and then you sit down with somebody who's saying, their late 20s, maybe in their 30s or 40s, they become so ingrained in in this value system or whatever you want to call it, where I can't step over the line because I might get smacked for it. And so I don't know if I can be nice or do something that's above and beyond. I've got to stick to the script. I saw that, you know, when my daughter first got out of high school and took her first job, she was just over 18 and she was trying to do things that were created even whatever. And she felt like she was constantly being slapped in the face of why did you do that? Why did you do that? Why did you do that? And it was like, cause I was trying to do a good thing or I was trying to be like, what, why are you yelling at me for, you know, doing this? It really tainted her on the job market very, very fast. And so I, I got to see that happen, you know, real time. And then flash forward and you look at people again in, in their late thirties, forties, where I'm just going to do my job. You know, you hear the term quiet quitting all the time. You hear all these people that they just go to work, they just do their job. They're just trying to not get fired. That's the thing. Being able to let people know that, hey, there's room for creativity. There's room for you to do some things on your own without having to come check with me every single time you want to send a nice note to somebody or, you know, apologize for something. I saw somebody a while back was like, you apologize for something you did wrong. Why would you do that? Because we made a mistake. That to me is like, that's a huge trust builder is when everything's going right, you're developing trust kind of in a vacuum. But when something goes wrong and you immediately address it and say, hey, we totally screwed this up. Completely our fault, no excuse. How would you like us to handle it? You develop a lot of trust that way. Just kind of given what we've talked about today as we're kind of closing in on time here, is there any final thoughts or points we didn't talk about today that you want to make sure you cover? Well, great chat, Mike. The message that I think is so important for business owners, government contractors to know is that at the end of the day, it does come down to the people, the customer facing people. Just the story of your daughter. Wouldn't it be great if everyone on your team was empowered? Everyone on your team knew that it's the right thing to do to build a relationship of trust. They knew how to do the right thing and they knew how to act in the customer's best interest. 
when everyone on the team is empowered to do that, not only does the trust equity go up, but you get more contracts and you get referrals. So in your business, in your environment, going from, you mentioned like 30 odd thousand contract officers to 12,000 contract officers, business owners and general contractors need to stand out because these people are busy. So you want to become the one that they go to for not only new work, but to continue work. And when you become a trusted advisor, that's what happens. They do more work with you, may or may not go to recompete. Or when it does recompete, they know I'm going to choose you because you guys did a great job. At the end of the day, we all buy and do business with people we trust. It's about people, Mike. Companies and departments in a government are made up of people. A hundred percent. I think we lose sight very quickly of the people, you know, and, and how much they matter to all this. Thank you so much for coming on today and talking about this. It's been really good. As always, your contact information will be on our website. So if anybody has any questions or need anything, they can just shoot you a note or LinkedIn or whatever it may be. Thank you again for coming on. I really appreciate it. You know, Mike, one last thing I should say that I didn't say I implied, it's a skill. It's a skill that you can develop, cultivate, and learn. I want to be really practical for your listeners. It is a skill. You can develop it and cultivate it and you can practice it. And when you practice it, you get really good at it. It's like everything, you know, if you're going to the gym, you get better and better and better. You get fitter and fitter and fitter. You get healthier and healthier. Mm -hmm. When you work at it and develop this skill, people notice and it makes a big impact. The company that I shared with you as an example in Maine, it has made a tremendous impact because they continue to be the prime. And that's what it's all about in government contracting. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that last thought there. That's really important for people to understand. It's not, not a gift that you magically have. It's something that you can develop. I think that's really important for them to know that. Thank you again. One last time. Appreciate you being on the show. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, I would really appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast and screenshot it and tag me on LinkedIn or whatever social media you use. So thank you again for joining us today and we'll see you next time.